1: What is going on, Diesel Nation? We're excited to have you guys with us today on the Diesel Podcast. If you're watching this on YouTube and aren't subscribed, make sure and click the subscribe button, like, comment. Let us know what you think about the episode, if there's a particular guest topic. Um, or a question that we didn't ask on the episode so we can get the guests back on, chat with them, make sure we get your questions answered. We love seeing your guys' feedback and it really helps us put together future episodes and then also make sure that we're talking to the people that you guys wanna hear from. On today's episode, I'm gonna be chatting with Vinny Himes from Leadfoot Diesel Performance. He's done a series of episodes with us talking about the best and worst trucks to buy for Ford, GM, and Ram, and there were a ton of comments. Um, Some positive, some negative and we wanted to have him on to be able to address the hundreds of comments that his episodes and clips and posts got. So we wanna be able to clarify some things about what's the worst Duramax, what's the best, um, Power Stroke, his perspective, some other things. Give him a chance to respond. So it's gonna be a great chat with him today. Before we get to it though, I wanna give a shout out to a couple of our sponsors that help make the Diesel Podcast possible. The first is our friends over at Kershaw Knives. They've got a 20% off site-wide code for you. Use code 20diesel at kershaw.kaiusa.com. Great way to save some money on some really cool gear. They just released their Duralock models, which use D2 uh, steel. They've got a new opening mechanism, ton of different designs, and they're priced right. So if you guys are in the market for something for hunting, fishing, EDC, um, something to throw in a toolbox, they definitely got you covered. Just head on over to kershaw.kaiusa.com and use code 20diesel for 20% off site-wide. Also, our friends over at Amsoil have a ton of different products whether you got a Power Stroke, Cummins, or Duramax, make sure and head on over to amsoil.com. You can put in what year, make, model you have and then see all the different fluids they have, whether it's engine oil, coolant, transmission fluid, um, grease, uh, tons of different things that they got. <laughs> so we always enjoy chatting with those guys over there. And it's a great way to be able to make sure we keep our trucks running the way they need to run and also give them the best fluids possible. So if you're in the market for some maintenance, got it coming up, definitely head on over, check out see what they can do for you. All right, let's get to today's episode with Vinny Himes from Leadfoot Diesel Performance, and giving him a chance to answer questions, comments, and uh, tons of different feedback that he got from his episodes with us. Vinny, welcome back to the Diesel Podcast. We've uh, we've chatted a long time um, on other podcasts, but um, we posted some short clips of it was a three part series we did on like the best and worst Ford, GM, Ram to buy, and there were a ton of comments. I thought it'd be great yeah. to have you on just to talk about the comments from the episode we did.
0: Yeah, that was crazy. I, I normally don't get on social platforms and read the comments, you know, it's kind of like wiping before you poop. It doesn't make any sense, but <laughs> I did, I did jump on there and uh, read some of the comments, tried to reply to a few of them and um, I'll, I'll reply to some more for you. Just clear stuff up. But yeah, I noticed on the TikTok, you know, they're they're You have some very passionate followers, which is awesome. And, um, I think the problem, the misunderstanding there, you know, my main point to that episode is they're all junk. That's why I have a job, which did didn't make it into that little clip. But unfortunately, a lot of people didn't focus on that. They they focused they locked in on six, seven power strokes best. And, you know, for me, I, I can't speak. To the world, you know, I can only speak of what I see. So I work in a very, very, very busy diesel shop, um, 70 to 90 trucks a week go through that shop and and one of the comments was I, I drive by this shop every day and it's all Fords, which is kind of true. We do have a lot of Fords. Uh we have one of the most knowledgeable and skilled Duramax technicians in the Southeast. So we do have a lot of Duramaxes. Um recently had a, a prominent Duramax shop in the area shut down and we absorbed all their clientele. So that's kept us very busy. Um, and, and the biggest thing I think these listeners need to understand is I have no prerogative. You know, I don't get paid commission. I don't bonus out if I sell more Ford parts or Dodge parts or Chevy parts. I My paycheck doesn't change no matter what I say on here or or what comes into or out of our shop. I'm not a, a commission-based salesman. I'm pretty much in customer service. So I'm just here to answer people's questions and, and address the issues they may run into with their preferred year making model of diesel vehicle um, i don't care what anybody wants to drive and i've made that pretty clear in the last episode that we recorded is go out and drive them all you know go out and look at the interior go out and pop the hood you know look at how complicated you determine that truck may be or not be to service and what level of service that engine may require um, you know a six O power stroke is a service baby a great engine if you take really, really good care of it, but you got to take really, really good care of it. Whereas a five nine Cummins is a lot more forgiving. Uh, Oops, I forgot an oil change. Screw it. Driving out of 10,000 miles, you're going to get away with it. So there's so much more to it than what we get to discuss in these short episodes. Unfortunately, you know, I've got 15 years of of watching trucks come into and out of the shop. And uh, so all I can really, answer your questions off of this, what I see come into and out of that shop. And like I said, I have no reason to lie or make anything up. So, you know, it's funny when people call us out in the comments, I enjoy it, uh, try to get them all answered. And, uh, you know, I, I know the L5P was a really sore subject. A whole bunch of cheerleaders jumped on that. Once again, all I can go off is what we see come into the shop. And very early on, you know, the L5P gets released. Um, We work on a fleet of ambulances, as I made very clear in that episode. It didn't make it on the TikTok, unfortunately, but it uh, you know, the first few that we had in the shop were ambulances with broken cranks. And so, you know, that was just kind of what's in my head. It's what I've seen. It's what I saw since then. um, One guy on there mentioned in the comments that he's a hotshot trucker with L5P. I think he said he had like three hundred to 400,000 trouble-free miles, which is awesome. I'm super happy for him. I don't wish diesel problems on anybody. And, you know, a lot of guys in the comments are like, I got a 5'9 Cummins with 800,000 miles. That's awesome. I'm never going to see you. I'm never going to get even talk to you. I work at a diesel shop where we fix problems. Uh, the only way I'd ever get to talk to that guy is if he's going to soup it up. And if he's going to soup it up, he's probably not going to make it to 880,000 miles. Yeah. So just... Silly, goofy stuff in the comments like that. It's just perspective is everything. And these people are hyper-focused on their own personal experience with one vehicle. I am not hyper-focused on anything. I'm dealing with a very, very broad spectrum of issues and problems. And that's all I get to see.
1: That's the that's really the challenge, too, is because those episodes we did, I think we recorded them, like, really early on a Saturday morning. And we went about an hour, maybe even a little bit more on all of them. But the attention span of somebody that uh, just wants to find things they're interested in, it's not very long. It's down to seconds. And so I think it goes back to what you mentioned about being hyper-focused on something. Because say I own an L5P and I've got 150,000 miles on it. I haven't had any major issues. My experience is it's a pretty problem-free truck. I haven't had to replace anything. It always starts up. It's great. If I know... Other people, they might have had the same experience, so that's my worldview. Versus your environment, which I don't know your favorite truck. I don't even know if you have one. But your your perspective is seventy to ninety my people are calling you. A,
0: my favorite truck would be a nineteen fifties Ford with a Coyote motor swapped into it with a manual transmission. That would yeah. be my dream truck. Not even a diesel. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it it will see like your experience with it is you got 70 90 people a week calling you with problems and you're going to see things i'm not going to see nobody calls me really not really with problems with their truck and how to fix it so i don't know what a trend is with duramaxes or coming or anything outside of my own experience and you had mentioned the l5p that was a huge one i think we were talking about what is the best duramax and you had picked the lb7 for a bunch of different reasons that would make sense to you and probably a lot of other people. But then you have someone who has a different engine. There's I saw a comment from LB, somebody with an LBZ and then the L5P guys. But the big thing was they don't break cranks. I've never heard of anyone breaking a crank. I don't know what he's talking about. I've seen more LB7s or LBZs do it. So what you were saying didn't matter. And it goes back to what we were talking about with perspective. People are calling you with problems and so you're going to see stuff that we're not going to see so i wanted to ask a bit more about that because um, the gentleman that replied on there said he worked at gm i don't know who he is or where he works at but he said hey i've seen him on l5 piece too but they're on trucks that are working really hard towing a lot of weight and that's been his experience so when you talk and about I'm, the
0: 100
1: yeah if you could exp- that. yeah if you could expand a bit like those ones you do see You know, what kind of trucks are they on? What are the use for them Um, in your experience with the broken crank issue?
0: Yeah. So the only two that we've seen with broken cranks were ambulances. Um, You got to think a diesel engine in a perfect world, a diesel engine gets fired up in the morning. It gets to idle for a few minutes, get fluids pumping, get things warmed up, and then it gets driven normally, whether it's towing or not, doesn't, doesn't matter to me. I mean, that's what these things were engineered to do. Um, If we weren't towing with them, we'd all be driving Honda Civics. So at the end of the day, we're expecting these things to be out working in some level. Uh, Some people are throwing a shovel and a pair of muck boots in the back of the truck and maybe laying concrete pavers all day. Next guy's throwing a bobcat on a trailer behind his truck. Those two people are going to have totally different experiences. And that's what viewers watching these videos need to understand. I'm not working on daily drivers. You know, there's a very, very small handful of my clientele or customer base that is just driving a Duramax or a Power Stroke or a Cummins to the office and shutting it off and working an eight-hour day and then firing it up in the evening and driving home. That's almost non-existent in my field of experience. Um, most of my customers are towing heavy. They do buy these vehicles to work out of, but an ambulance is the worst the absolute worst version of that that i can think of because that thing gets fired up you know they don't get to predict when somebody gets in an accident they don't get to predict when somebody has a heart attack so these things you know i'm i'm not a volunteer firefighter i'm not a emt i don't know how that works i don't know if they fire these things up intermittently throughout the day and let them idle for a few minutes i don't know but i do know that we service a massive fleet of ambulances like over a thousand vehicles that this company owns and they service the greater Atlanta area. So, you know, it's stop and go traffic. It's a hundred miles an hour nonstop. And then you pull up to the scene. I don't know if it gets shot off or if it sits there and idles, but we see more problems, major engine failures out of ambulances than anything else. We work on, uh, fire trucks, fire trucks and ambulances, emergency response vehicles. We'll put it that way. Um, I've got one L5P customer that did crack a couple pistons. Uh, He's a hotshot trucker. I've got two L5Ps in the shop right now with cracked pistons. And believe it or not, those pistons don't exist in the world. So that's been super fun to deal with. Um, Both of those trucks are tuned. Um, I don't know their lifestyle. The one looks really nice, got a nice set of wheels on it. I would have to assume he's just driving around, maybe bidding jobs. I don't know what he does for a living. Truck's not dirty. It's not muddy. There's no scratches. There's no dents. Absolutely gorgeous truck. But it came in with blown head gaskets. And so we pulled the heads off to do a normal head gasket job. And it had eight cracked pistons. Uh, The way that they cracked, I would have to say it's either EGTs or tuning. A really, really hot tune. And we've seen a lot of really bad tuning since guys like Corey Willis are no longer tuning these trucks in certain ways. Uh, you got a lot of Tom, Dick and Harry's out there that are stealing files, copying files, modifying those files to the way they think is best. But the, these people aren't calibrators. You know, they're computer hacks and and it keeps us very busy. So they're blowing up transmissions that we don't normally see blow up. They're blowing up engines that we don't normally see blow up. But all I can report when you ask me these questions is what I see. Uh, I have no reason to make up the fact that there is a beautiful silver GMC sitting in our shop with eight cracked pistons. It's just a fact. It's there. That's what's going on with it. We're going to fix it. Um, if it is tuning related, they've they every piston was cracked right at the lip of the piston. So we bought two sets of GM pistons from general motors and we sent them out to industrial injection and they are currently delipping those pistons for us we're going to pay to have them ceramic coated and we're going to put it back together and hope that it lives hopefully the customer can get some better tuning Uh, that's not something that we can help them with unfortunately so it's either going to live with the same crappy tune it came in with with the de piston that we did as preventative maintenance or it's going to blow up again Uh, but at least we took a step in the right direction based off years and years of diesel performance knowledge and building sled pulling trucks and drag racing trucks. We've been cracking pistons for years. I mean, I cracked a piston on a 5.9 Cummins in 2005. You know, this is cracked pistons and common rails. It's like, you know, meat and potatoes. They go together. Uh, It's not ideal. So it's not something we want to see. But when we do see it, there are things we can do to prevent it and, and make steps moving forward to hope it doesn't come back with the same problem again.
1: That's why I like doing episodes like we did and why I thought of you to chat about the most worked on or the, the most, um, either engines or years you see in each different category, because most people I know they don't have catastrophic failures. Most guys I know with seven threes have never bent or broke a rod. They're not trying to push 500, 550, 600 horsepower out of them. I don't know. I know lots of Dodge guys that have had transmissions, but that's just kind of a given with that. So a lot of these things I haven't personally come across, but I go to you because the people who do do that or have those failures go to you guys. Um, And the listeners want to hear that. They want to know at the extreme levels that a truck may be pushed. What could I face? What could I have? Tuning was another one where we were talking about it and you had mentioned the quality of tuning not being the same that it used to. And somebody in the comments had said, is he referring to just one particular tuner or tuning in general? So I wanted to ask you about that. One, do you guys get trucks in for say a transmission? And the guy's like, hey, I've had this tuned for 200,000 miles, it's awesome. But the transmission failed? Or they have something else like a differential or it could be anything. Versus the guys who show up with eight cracked pistons or something else where you're like, it's probably more than likely an aggressive tune that did this.
0: Right. So, and that's again, perspective and, and facts over feelings. I don't care about anybody's feelings. That's retarded. Um, you want to get hurt about a YouTube video because you drive a seven three and we said something mean about it. That's on you, man. Good luck. But. If you have a seven three that's been tuned for three hundred thousand miles and you haven't had problems, you probably got really good tuning. There are really good companies out there doing tuning for seven threes. There's also Hypertech tuners out there, and they're garbage. I mean, nothing against Hypertech, but. That's not a calibration. Like they didn't go through and recalibrate that ECM to optimize fuel economy and performance. They modified a few parameters and it made a little bit more horsepower. And that's their only intention and that's their market. If guys are wanting good tuning, you should either be talking to the tuning company directly. And, you know, if you've got a heavily modified vehicle, you should be sending an injector flow sheets you should be sending in exact turbo sizes uh compressor sizes turbine housing sizes turbine wheel sizes all that stuff's important for that guy calibrating your truck i'm not even going to call it tuning because a tuner in my mind is somebody that took a file modified it and stuffed it back in your ecm a calibrator is going to request a lot of information they're going to say hey You got a lot done to your truck we need injector flow sheets we need all this information about your build and then we want you to load this base file and we want you to go either run it on the dyno you know drive it on the track and then we want a data log we want we want to see exactly what our calibration is doing with your combination of mechanical parts and then that's where they can refine that calibration and send it back to you with perfection um Throwing a out-of-the-box programmer in your truck, that's not tuning. That's not calibrating. It's just an out-of-the-box programmer that's going to increase horsepower. Most big brand names like Edge Products, Bully Dog, SCT, those are going to work pretty good. Uh, they're going to be pretty safe in most applications. And we're painting with a super broad brush here. I mean, I'm trying to cover from 95.73 to 20.23 L5P, like these are not all created equal and they require different things to be perfect. So a lot of the comments I saw on there, you know, uh, bone stock five nine eight hundred eighty thousand 880,000 miles with stock 48 RE. I don't like being called a liar. I don't like calling people liars. I've not seen a lot of 48 REs that have gone 880,000 miles without something, you know, Adjust the bands, you know, maybe install a billet band anchor because the factory wants junk. Uh, Increase the number of clutches, change out the clutches, you know, put a better torque converter in it, put a better cooler on it. You know, the 48RE is a great transmission in stock form with a stock engine. But at the end of the day, you still have clutches and steels inside there. You have friction material in the middle of the game. That's like saying I went 880,000 miles on my stock brake pads. Friction material wears out and it's no different whether it's a brake pad or a clutch or a transmission friction, you know, these things wear out. So if, if that guy really got 880,000 miles out of a stock 48 RE, man, he should be in a museum. He should be in Guinness. But the broad spectrum, most of humanity does not have that experience. 225, 250,000 miles on a stock automatic transmission Ford Chevy Dodge. If it goes out, it doesn't owe you any money congratulations you've got the normal life expectancy out of it if you get more than that fantastic you've done an amazing job at servicing that unit you drive very very mellow and you've never towed anything a day in your life so that's cool it's possible so i'm not going to say he's lying i'm not going to say anybody's lying it's just back to the simple brass tacks i just get to see what i see at the shop and what i see at the shop is carnage and failure uh, Nobody comes to the shop to brag to me that they've got 880,000 miles on a stock 48 RE. Well,
1: that's, and that's really what the listener wants to hear. They want to hear and see if there's trends, if there's a certain, which is how really diesel, the performance side of it grew, you know, were there yeah. no five, nine common rails that were blown up early way back when, when people were trying different things and, you know, finding stuff out or with the Duramax, how'd they find out that rods bend or pistons crack at a certain power level? How'd you find out when an Allison needed to be built? What power level did you need to do that? When did you find out 7-3 rods just weren't going to hold the power? So there's all these things that have been established, but not so much on the new trucks, which I think that's why that drew a lot of attention. Because we don't see the performance heights being reached on L5P 6-7 power strokes. Um, Six 6.7 Cummins is a bit different with some things that engine builders are doing in the aftermarket. But you don't see those 1,200 horsepower street trucks like you used to be able to see with a five, nine or a Duramax, you know, a few years ago or the pre-07 stuff. So it's really tough to get that information. And plus, if you do have a failure on your newer truck, it's probably going to the dealer under warranty or unlikely. Right. So you're not even seeing it. You're seeing the guys no. who are out of warranty. Um, or who have modified them and they can't take them there. So that's what I appreciate about these, uh, about these talks and just understanding more. And that kind of leads into the Power Stroke side. You went through, did we start at the OBS? I think we started, we definitely started with seven threes and We went to six sevens. I don't remember which year range we started at, but you were talking about the different challenges and the things that will fail along the way with all of them. And I said, you know, which one is the best one out of the box? Not building for racing, not a UCC truck, nothing like that, but just for reliability. You said six seven Power Stroke, and there were so many comments on there about nope, the seven three is the greatest, greatest one out of the box. And I wanted to give you more time to expand on that from your perspective and what you do as to Absolutely. why you, why you think that.
0: Well, that, that and that's a great point because when I say something like that, I'm not just like. Man, six seven 6.7 stroke man. Raise hell, praise Dale. I don't care about that. I'm taking a lot of different things into consideration. I have a 9773. It's sitting down here with a battery jump box on it right now because the battery's going to put behind. I've got an electrical draw we got to figure out, but our shop's so busy, we don't have time to work on our own stuff. So, you know, I love my 9773, but it hasn't ran reliably since Christmas. I can charge both batteries up. I can drive it for about three days, and I'm stranded. I could put two brand new batteries in it, drive it for two weeks, and I'm stranded. It's got an electrical issue, and I've got to figure that out. Um, does it mean I hate the truck and I'm going to get rid of it? No. I will figure it out. We will fix it when we get time. Uh, but for me, paying customers come first. My junk can sit in the yard with a battery charger on it. Um, you know, My 6-liter, I drive more than my 7.3 because it's, it's newer. It's got fewer miles on it it's you know it's been we went through and did our 6 rehab package on it about seven years ago and it really hasn't been in the shop ever since but it's currently got a u-joint beat out of the rear drive shaft because it's on 38 inch tires and i drive like a dickhead so you know at the end of the day they're they've all got their shortcomings and their faults but when i make a statement like that when i say you know you ask me which one's the most reliable right out of the box i'm thinking horsepower output fuel economy torque uh maintenance. You know, a 7.3 and a 6.0, a Huey injection system, they're maintenance babies. You need to do oil changes more frequently. Keep those high pressure oil pumps happy. Keep those Huey injectors happy. You know, you're not going to run 20,000 miles on a 7.3 oil change without issues. People do it all the time. I get to talk to them. I see six liters that are changing their oil every 10,000 miles, whether it needs it or not. They've got collapse lifters. They've got cam lobes eaten up. They've got metal through the injection system. I mean, they have problems because people are servicing them too infrequently. A 6.7 power stroke is a common rail. It does not have Huey injectors. It does not have a high pressure oil pump. You can get away with running the oil for 20,000 miles if you're so inclined. So that's part of that answer. You know, which one's the most reliable out of the box? It's definitely not a six liter or seven three because they need more maintenance. Um, that's an expense at the end of the day. Uh, will a seven three go a million miles? Absolutely. But you're going to take very good care of it. You're going to change your oil every thirty five hundred miles to five thousand miles. Everybody has a different preference there. Uh, personally, I change my oil in my seven three every thirty five hundred miles. I use Schaefer's oil. It's excellent oil. I have 356,000 miles on the original injectors. I have 356,000 miles on the original high-pressure oil pump. That's not common. Those are not conversations I have with my customers. My customers are putting a high-pressure oil pump in at 185,000 or 220,000. My customers are putting injectors in at 250,000 miles because they haven't properly maintained that vehicle. Uh, My six-liter customers, same thing. We're putting high-pressure oil pumps in them specifically 0304s, 05 and newer is not at all, hardly at all. Um, we've maybe done six high-pressure oil pumps on 05 and newer trucks in the 10 years I've been at this particular shop. But a six seven power stroke, your worst problem, your most common problem that you're going to read about is the CP4 failures. And that is extremely massively prevalent on the LML Thermax. We do CP4s on those trucks with 30,000 miles off. That's not a conversation we're going to have about a 6.7 power stroke. Typically, when we do a high pressure CP4 on a 6.7 power stroke, it's, and I got to be mindful of the commenters here, it's normally past 150,000 miles that we're having that conversation with a 6.7 power stroke owner. Um, And what I attribute that to, the difference between the LML Duramax and the 6.7 power stroke is the LML Duramax has no factory lift pump. So you've got a pump in a very stressful environment working its butt off and no lubricity in the fuel because they took the sulfur out of the fuel versus a 6.7 power stroke in the same environment. But it's got a lift pump sending 65 PSI of pressurized fuel to the CP4. So we don't see CP4 failures in our shop. I guess I got to reiterate that as well. Uh, there's shops out there that say their shop only thrives on six, seven power stroke failures. I mean, good for you, I guess sucks for your customer, but our customer base is not having that same experience. Our customer base is more commonly coming in for upgrades. I want better fuel economy. I want more horsepower to tow my camper. So we're putting on an B air intake, uh, we're resealing upper oil pan gaskets. And that's one very important thing on the six, seven power strokes. It, it, I saw a lot of people talking about having to replace the upper oil pan gaskets. That is exclusively due to the fact that the CCV filter from Ford has no service interval. Um, all of you in the comments, go out to your dealership. If you have a six-seven power stroke, go to your dealership and ask them when you need to change it. They're either going to look at you like you're cross-eyed retard or they're going to say, I don't know. And because there is no service interval for it, read your owner's manual. There's no mention of the CCB filter, like page 346 or something that shows a picture of it in a diagram, doesn't tell you to change it. So nobody does it. And so by the time we get to see them, the upper oil pan gasket is leaking, the rear main seal is leaking, the vacuum pump's leaking, the injector seals have been blown out. Because the crankcase can't breathe, that filter is clogged up, we're not ventilating the crankcase properly, and so it starts pushing gaskets out. Is it a costly repair? Not really. Um, Worst case scenario, if you got to do the upper oil pan gasket, front and rear engine seals, you might spend $3,500, which is a lot. But if you catch it early at the upper oil pan gasket, a lot of times we can just change the CCV filter and what starts out as a a weep will disappear. Um, If it's a a hard drip, we got to at least replace the upper oil pan gasket and change the CCV filter um but that's you know that's negligence that's that's ignorance causing that it's not a bad engine it's not a problematic engine it's the fact that ford didn't give us a service interval so if you're worried about that you don't want to have to deal with that kind of the pattern we've seen is 11 to 16 6 7 power strokes change the CCV filter about every 40,000 miles and you're probably going to be okay 17 and newer it seems to be a little bit different about every 20,000 miles, I'd recommend changing the CCV filter. Um, and hopefully, you won't have to repair the upper oil pan gasket leak or the rear main seal leak or the front cover gasket leak or what have you.
1: With um, Somebody had mentioned in the comments when you had talked about the 6.7 Power Stroke being the most reliable four. They said, well, what about the CP4? And so I, I appreciate you going through the difference because that, that's that's a general thing like you know we think well the rams had a cp4 for a bit the fords have it the, you know, the lml duramax um and we tend to just hear about the lml issues and think okay well on the ford it's going to be the same thing you know, it's going to be you know same thing on a ram but they're all different in how how they operate and, and other parts on the truck that you, like you said you don't necessarily see them as quick on a six seven ford verse versus the lml um, I think that's a really kind of the key thing here. It's like, I can't think of a perfect analogy. Let's just, I'll make something up. Like if I wanted to know what the most reliable phone is, if I go to Verizon or AT&T, whoever it is, and I ask them, what's the most reliable phone? They're not going to know. Cause they're just dealing with them new, getting a new service contract, you know, doing a, an upgrade, whatever. But if I call a phone repair shop and say, you see more iPhones or Androids in here, which one? Which brand? They're probably gonna tell me which ones have the the most sort that's of true. issue. And that's how I look yes. at that's how I look at this.
0: No, that's the truth. That's the facts. You know, you can if you drive a Duramax and you love it, drive that Duramax, love it, take good care of it. Um, I hope we never see you. You know, if we never meet, you're doing a good job. If we get to meet, I hope I do the right thing and sell you the right parts to make sure that we never see you again. And that's why I've always, in all the years that I've been working in the diesel industry, it's come up, you know, technicians get Bonused off production hours. Sales guys get commissioned. Um, I'm in a weird position where I'm at. I'm not really 100% sales and I'm not really 100% customer service. Um, When people come to pick up their truck, they want to talk to somebody. What did you just do? What do I need to do to make sure that doesn't happen again? And that's my job is to make sure we don't see that customer again. If I was paid on commission, I would do a horrible job at that. And that's the reason I've always refused to be paid on commission. Would a little extra bonus at the end of the month be nice? Absolutely. Would my wife complain about the bills a little bit less? More than likely. But I don't want to be that douchebag that lies to you to make sure that you come back. And that's 90% of this industry. When you're dealing with a service writer at a shop, he makes more money if you come back. If he blows a little smoke up your ass and makes you feel better about yourself and your truck, You're probably going to come back versus me. I'd rather tell you the truth. I'd rather tell you what to do to your truck so we don't see you again. And I'd rather you send your friends. I don't want you to come back. I want to help your friends in the same way that we helped you. I want to make sure that we're honest with people. I want to make sure we're not having comebacks. I want to make sure that we're fixing it right the first time. I want to make sure that we're innovating in a way like, perfect example of the cp4 duramax issue we were seeing those things come back we were seeing those trucks come in in 2011 guys that are insurance adjusters believe it or not very silly because that guy's never towing a trailer he's driving from state to state he probably bought a diesel because it gets better gas mileage than a v8 and he's driving he's on the road so it's not uncommon for an insurance adjuster to swing by the shop with a new truck with you know, a, a three-month-old truck with 30,000 miles on it because he's driving all day, every day. That is his job. He's driving from shop to shop, making insurance adjustments, looking at vehicles, looking at homes that have burned down, what have you. The guys are putting on a lot of miles. And so in 2011, when we've got a brand new Duramax sitting in a parking lot with a failed CP4 and the dealership told him they got bad diesel fuel and they blacklisted their warranty, we got to figure out why the pump failed what we can do to make sure that it doesn't fail again and send them on their way. And so what we were doing is we were putting faces on them. And the whole reason we did that, the whole reason we theorized that would be the fix is because the 2011 Fords were not coming in with failed CP4s in 2011, it's 2023. Those engines have been around for 12 years now. So are we seeing CP4 failures on Fords now? Yes. They're high mileage failures. They're 220 plus thousand. The Duramaxes were failing at 30. GM was blacklisting their warranties. GM was telling them they had contaminants in the fuel. I mentioned this on the last episode we did. uh, Episode three of the worst vehicle to buy, we mentioned, I mentioned specifically, I think they're rigging these trucks up with water so they don't have to warranty them Uh, because I've seen it repeatedly. You said patterns. That's a pattern we have seen repeatedly Duramax customers coming in with CP4 failures. Well, I'm looking at them like, bro, your your, your system failed, but you're at 30,000 miles. You're under warranty. Nah, man, I already took it to the dealership. They said I had water in my fuel. Highly unlikely that 372 customers are going to come into one diesel shop with the same story from the surrounding three Duramax dealers in this area. But that's what we experienced. That's the pattern we saw. Me being of sound mind and having common sense, unfortunately in a world that doesn't, I have to assume GM's freaking out. We've got a problem. Now, now this I'm thinking this in 2011, 2012, 2013, I'm thinking this. Here we are in 2023 and there's a massive lawsuit against GM over the CP4 pump, so maybe maybe I was right. Um, back then I was like, the Fords aren't doing it, the GMs are doing it, the blacklist and warranties, we gotta figure out how to take care of these customers and make sure this doesn't happen again. CP3 conversions didn't exist back then. We started throwing fasts on. It. We throw a new CP4 on it. We throw a whole new fuel system in it. Whatever the case may be, and we would recommend a fast. And I would explain to the customer, "Hey, these 2011, 12, 13 Fords are not coming in for this. They have the same pump, but they have a factory supply pump sending 65 psi of volume to the CP4, keeping it alive. Let's put a fast in your truck and hope we never see you again." I've had one out of hundreds of customers that I recommended that to one customer has come back with a second cp4 failure um i gotta pretend that we were right i gotta pretend that that was the situation and i gotta assume supplying the cp4 with positive pressurized fuel is keeping it lubricated better than starving it to death and make it live a life under suction and so ultimately the plunger turning on the cam is what causes a cp4 failure guys that are worried about that If you don't want to have to do an expensive conversion, check out River City Diesel. They've got a CPX pump that they're machining grooves in the side of the plunger on the CP4, and they put a dowel pin in the body of the pump, and it keeps that plunger from ever being able to turn again. It can't do it. So is it the end-all, be-all, fix-all? We don't know yet. We, we installed the first one this year. So we're going to monitor it. We're going to keep eyes on it customers aware of it you know it's a experimental repair but it sounds good in theory um, I've sold more of them since that first one none of them have come back but it's been under a year so I'm not going to say that we fixed it or we found the crown jewel but it's a step in the right direction SS Motorsports announced their conversion kit for the 6.7 Fords I think that's going to be a huge seller It's going to be a big hit in the diesel industry. People are going to stop selling CP4s from the factory. Um, And then, obviously, the Duramax guys, you got CP3 conversions on your side. So, do a CP3 conversion, get ahead of the eight ball, be proactive. It's always more fun to upgrade your truck than it is to repair your truck. So, if you could do a CP3 conversion for five grand, it's a whole lot cheaper than replacing the entire fuel system for 10 grand.
1: You brought up a good point. I wanted to ask you for your opinion on it. If you were to take your experience and your knowledge and what you've done and then put yourself in the position of a truck owner with a different career, how can they avoid that situation of having to go back to a service shop or whatever it might be where that person is paid on you coming back? How can they find the right place to take it where it's an experience like you mentioned where you never want to see me, Patrick, again drive my truck onto your lot? Unless I'm like, hey, Vinny, I want built transmission, compound turbos, head studs, wheels, tires, you know, lift. This is what I want you guys to do. How do I avoid that as a truck owner? Or not avoid it. How do I find the right place to
0: take my truck? Man. My dad told me something when I was seven years old. This world is ran on inefficiency and greed. Um, there's a lot of greedy, self-centered human beings on this planet, and unfortunately, those people are not gonna do what's best for you. They're gonna do what's best for them. Um, I was not raised that way, so I don't think that way. I don't think I'm some holier than now. I'm the best service writer in the world, not at all. I just think differently, and it's worked. Our business has thrived. we've you know, we've grown from a two- bay diesel shop. 10 years ago to a 24 bay diesel shop. Currently um, we were working on seven or eight trucks a week and now we're doing 70 to 90 trucks a week. So obviously that business model works, you know, taking care of the customer versus taking care of ourselves has definitely worked. Um, Are there other people out there like that? Absolutely. And I can name a, a few of them, you know, across the country, but Best thing, honestly, is is, as your viewers are watching these videos is feel free to shoot me a message, shoot me a, you know, mention me in the comments so I get a notification or something. Tell me where you're at. Tell me where you are, where you're driving. Chances are I know somebody there. Um, I've got friends all over this country in the diesel industry. Um, I've got friends in Norway and Australia that I sell parts to in this industry. Um, I've got friends in South America that I sell parts to. So not just this country, but I got people all over the world that I, I trust and recommend. And uh, social media is a very powerful tool. Use it. You know, Hit me up. I, I get hundreds and hundreds of Facebook messages a day, and I answer every single one of them before I go to bed. Uh, I do not go. I cannot stand a notification at the top of my cell phone, so I, I will either. answer that question. <laughs> I can't. I it can't me nuts, you know? <laughs> it's like my OCD goes into hyperdrive, but I will get you an answer. If you reach out, um, we're not going to be the answer for everybody because not everybody wants to come to Georgia to get their truck worked on. But hit us up. If you're in Alaska, I've got friends there. If you're te- in Texas, I've got tons of friends there that run very reputable, reliable shops that that do care about their customers. I would say for every shop that's honest and caring, you've got 100 shops that will drag you through the glass to get every dollar they can out of you. And that's sad. Uh, but that's that's business in America do what's best for the company not for the consumer
1: i think that's the tough part because if i just went around where i live and i typed in diesel repair i'll get a lot of different places and i might know a couple i might not know any and it can be really tough because there's there's ways that you can be persuaded as a consumer like you can have a fancy website you can have a you know a really nice presentation and you think okay this place is professional they have experience in what I need fixed and it could be a nightmare. It could be great. You just don't know. And I think the last thing that people want us to be taken advantage of, or feel like they're taken advantage of, or you get those trucks where you're just constantly seeking money into it. And you know, as well as I do, what happens, the guy sells it and he gets a gas vehicle and, and then tells everybody he knows my Cummins or my Duramax or my power Strokes sucked. I'm never going to have one. Again, it was just a money pit and there's a customer that's gone. There's an enthusiast. There's potentially somebody who might um, go to an event or do something, just be just participate in it that's gone. And yeah. nobody wants to see that. So it can be really tough to to navigate that in today's world.
0: And that does happen. That is a thing. I mean, there's, you know, I, I take a lot of pride in caring for our customers and, and bending over backwards to go above and beyond. But at the end of the day, there are human beings on this planet that just do not want to be happy. Uh, We've got a lot of one-star reviews. Um, Go read them. You can read through our one-star reviews and almost instantly be like, this guy's either full of crap or he's a disgruntled ex-employee or what have you, because I will truly bend over backwards to take care of our customers. I mean, we've, we've lost more money than we've made trying to keep unhappy people happy. And it's it's unfortunately from a business standpoint, it seems like the people you try the hardest for complain the most. Uh, that's that's a human being issue. That's not a diesel shop issue. That's not a Ford Chevy Dodge issue. That's a personal issue. If you're a miserable person, nobody can make you happy. You get to choose whether you're going to be a miserable person or not. Uh, if you have a bad experience with a truck and you got to keep going back to the same shop twice. Even if it's a crappy shop, even if they don't have good morals and values, even if they don't have your best interest in, at heart, it's still a business. Nobody wants a one-star review. So give them a chance to do the right thing. If they don't do the right thing, then leave them a one-star review. But there's so many people that just want to whine and complain. Um, all I can say to them is be a better person. You know, Give your shop a chance. If they don't do the right thing, Shoot me a message somewhere on social media. I'm I'm on Twitter. I'm on TikTok. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. I'm on YouTube. Shoot me a message. Let me know what's going on. Let me know what your experience has been. We can probably find you a good shop that cares, that'll take good care of you. And that's not something that we make money off of. That's just something that I truly care about. You know, I want everybody to have a good experience with their diesel truck or Chevy or Dodge. Um, You know, you asked me earlier what my favorite truck is. It's definitely not a diesel. I um, daily drive an O five six liter. I daily drive a ninety seven seven three. My wife daily drives a two thousand fourteen F two fifty with a six seven in it. I've owned six five nine Cummins. I've owned one six seven Cummins. Um, I've I've driven another six seven Cummins as a company vehicle. You know, I've got experience, personal experience with all of them except for a Duramax. I've never owned one. I mentioned that on our last episode. The the Phase three of what's the worst diesel to own. If I could find a four-door long bed single rear wheel LB7 with a six-speed manual, I will own one. And I've looked for that truck very proactively for a long time, just hasn't come across my my plate. But yeah, I mean it's they're all bad. They all have issues, they all have problems. Can those problems be prevented? A lot of times, yes. The only instances where I would say those you know, factory flaws can't be prevented. Siamese cylinders on a 6-7 Cummins, not a great idea. You know, they melt head gaskets between cylinder number five and six. 6-4 um, six, power stroke, there's no hope for that pump. It's going to fail. And when it fails, it's going to put metal through the injection system. You're going to hang an injector open. You're going to crack a piston. So there's there's a very small number of diesels that I can't offer you a solution for. Most of them, there's a solution.
1: You really got me thinking about it. After we had done the four GM and RAM um, series, is I stepped back and I asked myself, you know, which one would, uh, would I want? And I think you, you can correct me. You probably have to. Is on the LMLs, didn't they do a a refresh on the outside in like 15 to 16? They changed
0: a little yeah. bit. They changed the headlights and the grill on there pretty freaking sexy.
1: That to me is like peak GM styling. When I think of historically how they've been shaped and how that, you know, how they looked. And I thought with the solutions now that are out there, whether it's a CP3 conversion or, you know, in a fast lift pump and these other things that are out there as far as styling, that was like peak styling for me, just like with Fords. I think, I don't know the new ones, newer ones. I really like the style, but the six force were just like I don't know what it was about the way they did the vent and the headlights and the bumper and everything but it's just like i think to myself i can't get into that i i don't want to i don't want to spend that kind of money so it's really what we hope to have happen with these series and chatting with you and i think a lot of people have gotten help from it it's just prepare you for if you're going to buy new or used which one you're looking at be prepared for some of these things you're going to see on the shop side of it with people calling you with problems what can be a uh a pattern you know that they're going to find so i appreciated your time back then chatting with me that early saturday morning and doing those and then also tonight after work to go through some of the comments and have people understand
0: yeah and i'll, I'll do a better job of that i i haven't looked in the comments previously but i will try to go in there and answer some of those questions and, and a lot of more directed at me personally uh, even the guy that said i was the worst diesel mechanic ever i'm not a diesel mechanic I'm a service writer. Um, I check the vehicle in. I'm the guy that gets to call you and tell you we ran over your dog, uh, when we do figure out what's wrong with it. So, you know, I did diesel mechanic for, for many years, but that was a long time ago. Um, uh, broke my back and had to get out of it and started answering the phone. And, and I try to do a really good job of that. I try to be very honest with people. I try to offer up solutions, uh, At the end of the day there are no problems only solutions so identify the issue and come up with a solution and that's really my job so my job is not to hurt your feelings on youtube because i didn't say your truck was the best my job is to figure out what problems you're going to have with that truck and make sure we give you a solution for that
1: it was a pleasure to chat with you this evening i'm sure we will do it again in the future and probably in a couple years we'll have to update that list with uh You know, right 2019s, 2020s, 2021s. So, the new electric
0: (laughs) Duramax.
1: Oh, yeah. I'm sure it'll be something like that. But, uh, yeah, yeah, great, great to to catch up with you, Vinny. Absolutely. You too, man. Don't forget diesel fans, make sure and head on over to Kershaw.kaiusa.com. Use code 20diesel for 20% off site-wide. It's a great way to save some money on some cool gear. There's a lot of new products that Kershaw Knives has released in 2023. We did an episode with them in January showcasing a lot of these releases, yeah, a lot of these releases, but their newest one, the Duralock models, are really cool. I got my hands on some of them and uh, I love them. They, it's great for something to just throw in a pocket, toolbox. Um, they come with D2 steel, um, a really cool opening mechanism, bunch of different handle materials, um, and then it's it's priced right. So something that's not gonna break the bank, but you also get a quality product with it. Also, our friends over at Amsoil, make sure to head on over to amsoil.com. Um, enter your, your make, model, truck you got. You can search all the different stuff they got for you. So if you have some maintenance coming up and are looking to use something better than OEM, definitely make sure and head on over and check out what they got for you. Wanna give a shout out to some of our Patreon supporters, Tyler Lowe and a 23 Diesel. Um, J. Cole, john all of our other patreons all of you who subscribe on youtube podcast apps our facebook instagram tiktok our discord we love hearing from you guys and love to be able to take your suggestions and then work them into future episodes until next
0: time keep the shiny side up